until she becomes famous for doing something else, then we'll talk about her more. If she's willing to name celebrity names, then we'll talk about her. That can be our political stance. Mm-hmm. Our politics is Glenn Maxwell name names. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's so exciting, scandalous edition of the Holly Shook Podcast. My name's Ryan. As always, I am joined via FaceTime because I'm anti-Zoom with the one and only Armin. Hey, Armin. How you doing, Rye? Oh, I'm doing so well. I... Did nothing today. I took a nap. Who do I think I am? And just kind of mentally prepared to do this podcast with you at 10.45 p.m. <laughs> you needed to take the nap so you'd be fresh for a uh, two-hour late-night podcast. Uh, I yeah. did keep you waiting, full disclosure. You always do. I always and do. <laughs> <laughs> this will not be two hours, just for everyone who's listening. Um, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm past my bedtime. <laughs> um, just kind of getting at late night, kind of after hours vibes here on Holly Shook. It's gonna get, it's gonna get weird. Yeah, you're normally a 9:30 p.m. bedtime kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But you're staying up late. You had a second cup of coffee after your nap. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're ready to go deep into the night with us. Exactly. And by 9.30 p.m. bedtime, that means 9.30 p.m. my phone is not being touched and I am watching six hours of Real Housewives of New York on my couch and I will still go to bed at 3 a.m. even though I could have gone to bed at a normal person hour. So you're just kind of cutting into my Real Housewives of New York time, but it's okay. Which I do feel bad about. It's okay. I forgive you. I have plenty of time to keep doing it once we hang up i hope so um well i'm excited to get into this week's we have some scandalous love affairs we have some Mm -hmm. scandalous hollywood casting drama and then we have a good old segment at the end that will you know segment uh, segment it up as we do that segment right is it a new segment or is it a recurring segment i think it's a recurring i think think we've done it before but i feel like you didn't name it until like our fourth time doing it you know good job right i wanted to test you on your knowledge of holly shook history and you nailed it yes that is a recurring segment and you're absolutely right we did do a version of that segment probably a dozen times before naming it but it's back for the second time ever (laughs) we've done it a dozen times and it's back for the second time (laughs) Um, but with the official title, it's only been yeah. done with the official title twice now. Having when we're finished with this podcast, it will have been done twice. It's actually only been done once, really, with the official segment title. Yeah, funny how sometimes when you've only done thing once and then you do it a second time, that's actually the second time it's been done. I don't know how you keep it in your little pea brain of yours. All of these these facts about what we've done before <laughs> all of this data it's because i obsess over holly shook data there's nothing else i think about that's how i'm able to uh know just all the nooks and crannies about it and we appreciate it we appreciate all the work you do for that um right let's get into the drama of this week mm-hmm. because it's hot it's heavy and mm. i think i may have invented a new segment here oh my god could, did you catch that in my notes? I did. It's, uh, we can workshop it. I think it needs... It's a, it's a very basic segment name, but okay. We'll go with it. We do need to workshop it, um, but there's potential here for a recurring segment. I'm calling it Scandal Alert for now. It's not a great segment title. <laughs> I mean, how did we go from Ali Shakat? Whatever the fuck it was last week. Should clarify that? Please, yes. right? Don't butcher that one. That one's a recurring segment, too. How did we go from should clarify that to scandal alert? Like, that is so just basic. I know it's basic, but 
the premise behind this segment is that I am alerting the audience that we are in the midst of a real-time scandal. And what I mean by that is this scandal is one day going to be a Holly Shook history podcast episode. When we do those episodes where we just cover a historical scandal, this is the start of building a scandal that's going to go down for the record books. That's what I'm saying with this one. That's why I'm alerting everyone. It's the scandal alert. I feel like it should be historical, historic scandal alert. But it, the thing is, it's not historic yet. Yeah, so I'm saying like you're gonna like this. You're alerting them that it's going to be an historic scandal eventually at some point. Again, we'll workshop it. <clears throat> Send in you guys like and comment below on what you guys think it should be called. <laughs> but this really is the beginnings of a major scandal, I believe. You okay. never know how these things turn out, right? We have to watch it unfold. Um, but the initial reports. The initial revelations definitely speak to something big, something that we will be talking about in five years. You'll be covering it, Rye. You'll do a, a really detailed 45-minute thorough historical review on this scandal. I believe it. I see it happening. All right. Well, first and foremost, I do whatever the fuck I want, and nobody tells me what I'm going to get or not going to do. So you better stay in your lane. But sure, yes, five years from now, I'm down to do this one. <laughs> but know that it's on my decision. And I want to be surprised. Yeah, and then you want to be surprised. So you actually have to forget about this until then. I will. Here's the scandal. Enough buildup. I'm sure everyone's heard of it. On June 30th, news broke that August Alsina... Is, did I pronounce that correctly? Literally no idea who this is, so... I literally had no idea who this was either. Right. Yeah, first discovered this person through this news, which is a great way to discover somebody, right? That's why we right. say no press is bad press. Right. I mean, I live for someone who's not famous until they become famous because of a scandal. It's my, what I want to happen to me. It's probably our favorite genesis of fame. Like, there's doing great works of art. Right. There is politics, going into politics to get fame. That's a thing. Yeah, people people have done that once people, or twice. Once or twice, that's happened. But scandal to fame, at least speaking for myself, I think that's one of my favorite um, genesis of fame. The scandal. And it's the hardest, in my opinion. You know, August Alsina could have written Hamlet, but William Shakespeare could not have become famous because he had an affair with Jada Pinkett Smith. Exactly. I think the barrier to entry in the latter is way, way higher. That's way more difficult, that barrier to entry. Way harder. Yeah. Look, um, I've been to get famous off a scandal for fucking decades now, and it hasn't happened yet. So, like, it's just kind of annoying. It's not as easy as it sounds. You can't just do scandal and get famous. Right, which is really homophobic, I feel. It's so mostly have, homophobic. It's like a straight guy has an affair, and he's famous. I have an affair, and I'm... A menace to society. It's just like... <laughs> no two affairs are the same. Um, yeah. If you had slept with someone of Jada Pinkett Smith's stature, who knows what would have happened, but we'll see. We'll see. You can always try it. But here's the scandal. August Alsina not only claimed to have an affair with Jada Pinkett Smith, that alone would be a huge scandal, but he also said that Will Smith had sanctioned the affair. This blew Twitter up. The internet was going crazy over this claim. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith said that it was absolutely not true at first. Then Jada Pinkett Smith went to Twitter and said, quote, there's some healing that needs to happen. So I'm bringing myself to the red table. Now that still hasn't happened yet. So like I said, this news broke on June 30th. Jada Pinkett Smith tweeted that, on July 2nd. We are recording this on July 7th. We still haven't had the Red Table episode. If y'all don't know what that is, that's Jada Pinkett Smith's show. I think it actually um, became a huge hit after the Tristan Thompson cheating scandal with Jordan Woods. Yeah, that was we, the first time about it. Yeah, which we covered. So, 
you know, affairs um, are nothing new on the red table, but obviously Jada Pinkett Smith as the host usually hasn't been the subject of detailing, you know, her own life. Uh, so that will be interesting when it happens. We'll be here to cover it. But Rai, before I get into some more of the details, um, what was your initial reaction to this when you when you saw the news? I know you saw it on that day. My initial reaction was this family is fucking psychotic. They always have been crazy. Like, what's going on with them always? Who do these people think they are? I love them. Like, I'm living for it. I think that they are, like, a progressive, like, kind of, like, they don't fit the mold of, like, what people are, you know, our society has brainwashed us to believe a happy marriage is and let's just put it this way if there was a show about their family it would be called a modern family it would be called a modern family yes (laughs) that's what it would be called sounds kind of familiar but no i think it worked um yeah i don't know i was like this is like i feel like it should have been more shocking but it's not because I'm like, no, this actually checks out for them. And I don't know. I'm just like, cool. Like, I don't know. There's We're in 2020, okay? There's different ways to love people. There's different ways to be committed to someone. You know, the idea of like an open relationship is like becoming very much more normalized as the days go by. So I'm like, whatever. I... I if they had an affair and Will Smith knew about it and gave his blessing, then like, cool. You know? Is it shocking that he gave his blessing or is it shocking that there was an affair? Or I mean, I guess it's all kind of one thing in a way, but I, I based on Twitter reactions, I felt like more people were shocked that Will Smith approved of the affair than, yeah. the, than that the affair actually happened, if that makes sense. They just couldn't believe that he would be down with it. That I and guess that surprised me. I'm not gonna lie. Not that it's a bad thing, yeah. um, but like you said, that is progressive and unconventional, and possibly healthy. Possibly that nurture. I mean, I haven't experienced that, right? But possibly that nurtures a longer lasting relationship if you feel that comfortable with your partner to say, you know what, you have these sexual urges and desires. Go ahead. That's what I'm saying. I'm like. You know, the idea... I'm not, like, someone who's, like, anti-monogamy. Like, I'm not <laughs> like that, but... I don't know. I'm, like, it's not for everyone. Like, it's... It's hard, and, like... Obviously, so many people get divorced, and it's ugly, and there's year-long cheating scandals. Like, people's hearts get broken. People's trust gets ruined. You know, families get torn apart. It's stressful, and, like... A lot of people can't deal with it. So I feel like the Pinkett Smith family has been really progressive just in the way they raised Jaden and Willow and like how they, I don't know, just kind of their whole existence in the past, like however many years has been very different and it's caused like a stir. People people are always up in arms about what they're doing, you know, um, because it is different. I don't think people are used to it. But I think it's cool. I'm like, fuck yeah. If you, like... They've been married for how long? Like, if Jada Pinkett Smith, who's, like, hot as hell still. Like, she's aging better than Will Smith is, in my opinion. And some, like, 27-year-old singer guy is like, yo, let me get at that. But, like, let me ask your husband first. <laughs> I, I do love the decorum. I do. And, like... If he says, yeah, like, cool, then let's fucking go, y'all. How do you think that conversation went? Do you think he was just like, hey, Will Smith, uh, I'm attracted to Jada. What do you think? I was thinking, yo, yo, Will, can I fuck your bitch? (laughs) And Will's just like, hell yeah. Or maybe a threesome was propositioned. I bet that would be the most natural entryway. And then Will's like, you know, honestly, August, like, I don't know you, not interested, but, you know, make a run of Jada if you'd like. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that 
Jada will explain more when she sits down at her own talk show and talks. Um, yeah, but I'd rather do the irresponsible speculation. I would love to do that as well. Well, there is a quote here. It says that August said, I actually sat down with Will and had a conversation due to the transformation from their marriage to life partnership. He gave me his blessing. So I do remember that they were like rebranding their marriage. Right. But then like, were they open or like not? Like what were the boundaries? What do you think that's about? Like the the idea that they maybe couldn't have this lifestyle or approach in a marriage branded relationship, but they had to evolve into a life partnership, which I think most people would say a marriage is. Yeah, I think although like, life life partnership doesn't have to be a marriage, right? But I think all marriages are life partnerships. And if I'm not mistaken, they are married. So I wonder, I just wonder what the thought process is. I'm not judging. I'm just curious. Like, we're, we're I, evolving. We're rebranding to life partnership. Did they maybe not feel like, again, this is irresponsible speculation. Did they not feel like this approach could work under a uh, marriage branded relationship? I don't know. I just think like, and once again, irresponsible speculation. I have no scientific knowledge to have this theory, but I'm still going to say it with the confidence of a thousand straight white men, um, (laughs) that when you get married, like in the beginning of your relationship or whatever, the beginning of your married relationship, like the idea of marriage, I think is so huge for people. And I don't know what it means. Like I have even thought about the word marriage in years. Um, so maybe to me, it's like, okay, well, what we what we expected out of each other, what we needed from each other, what our relationship was when we got quote unquote married is not the same anymore. So why are we like pretending like it should be exactly how it is when we were married or when we got married? Like life partner to me seems more casual in a way. Mm. You know, like, it's like, okay, well, we're life partners. Like, I want to still experience life with you. But, like, maybe I don't have to, like, just sleep with you. Or maybe, you know, if you want to go on a trip somewhere. I don't know, like, stupid shit like that. I I don't know. I could see, though, the inverse take. That there's almost additional weightiness to being a life partner. Because. Well, you referenced this earlier, a lot of marriages end, right? Yeah. I think the divorce rate in the United States is something like 50%. So if you're getting married, it's basically a fucking coin flip. Yeah. But if you are a life partner, maybe there is a uh, a higher degree of responsibility because it doesn't matter whether or not the quote-unquote marriage survives because you are a partner for life, Irregardless of what the fuck else is going on, there's almost right. a weightiness. I think you could argue. I'm not saying definitively, but it can be seen, I think, as less casual. And based on some Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith quotes, I think they see it as actually being a little bit more robust. I don't know if robust is the right word, but comprehensive in a way. Let me read a few of these quotes. In 2018, Jada Pinkett Smith said on uh, Sway's radio show, quote, I'm just like, keep the divorce rumors coming. Here's the thing about Will and I. We are family. That is never going down. It's just not ever. We are family. Take out that whole marriage relationship crap. At the end of the day, Will and I are family. I'm going to hold him down. Doesn't matter. All that relationship and what people think ideas of a husband, partner, and all that man, whatever, at the end of the day, that is a man that can rely on me for the rest of his life, period, end quote. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Will also said at one point, quote, we don't even say we're married anymore. We refer to ourselves as life partners, where you get into that space where you realize you are literally with somebody for the rest of your life. There's no deal breakers. There's nothing she could do ever. Nothing that would break our relationship. She has my support till death, and it feels so good to get to that space. 
There's nothing that could happen that we won't be together and love each other because I've never met anyone like you. And I know if I wasn't with you, I'd be searching in vain for the rest of my life. End quote. This was also in 2018. And you referenced that quote earlier, right? The whole thing about how they don't refer to themselves as a married couple, right? How they are life partners. And I think they actually see that as a sort of elevated form of togetherness, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the way that between hearing both of them explain it, like, it makes sense. They're like soulmates, I feel, but it doesn't mean that they're the only person you're ever supposed to be with. Like, I am someone who believes in this idea that they're presenting Like, if they want to be together forever, which seems like they do, but some, like, hot 27-year-old is like, what's up, Jada? And Will's like, yeah, cool, I don't give a shit. Like, she's coming home to me at the end of the day type thing. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's like, okay, if you're sexually attracted to someone, go ahead, fuck them, whatever, but you're coming home to me at the end of the day. Right. And like I and they seem like people who would like, you know, have the conversation first. And I feel like they're like, I'm still your number one. Like you can never like fuck me over for this other person. Like blah blah blah. It's like I don't know. It's we're gonna have our notebook ending where we're both ninety something fucking years old, uh, barely have a thread of our memory left. But we're gonna be laying in that bed together, holding hands, reminiscing when our memory has a jolt um i haven't seen notebook in 16 years so don't follow me if that's inaccurate um Um, spoiler alert i've never seen it no did i just ruin notebook for you it's okay i've actually seen the ending only (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck my life (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's what they are going for like our journey is going to take us different places and that's fine we're secure enough in our shit and at the end of the day, we'll have each other till the very, very, very end. But I still found the news shocking. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, it's still as public as they are. They're also semi-private. Like, I don't think they tell every detail about their relationship normally. So to have it be exposed like that is very, it is shocking. It's, like, interesting. I, I wonder if Jada and Will were, like, in on it like did they know that this guy was gonna announce it or did they like hope that it would stay private i hope this august guy didn't like go behind their backs and like go against like an agreement of any sort you know well he definitely had uh no motivations to just come out with it now it's not like he has an album uh being released oh he actually does have an album released he is promoting his new album Oh, God. Called the Product 3, State of Emergency. Um, so that's probably unrelated, though, right? Right. Because, like, why would you ever try to make national headline news when you happen to be promoting an album? I mean, th- those two are unrelated things, right? I mean, there is the promotion of an album, and then there is making headline news. They don't actually right. impact one another. Um, right. So that's just, I guess, a coincidence, we could say. But it's just one of the facts. One of the right. facts is that he is releasing an album and uh, promoting it as well. That's why he actually did this interview. He did the interview to promote it, and during the interview, he dropped this bombshell. So congratulations to the interviewer. And August mm-hmm. Alsina went from someone who literally not a single person knew. that. At least, yeah. I don't know a single human being who knew August Alsina before June 30th. Okay, so I did really quickly right now as we were speaking go to his Spotify page. And it looks like his most popular song has 93 million listens. So I think a couple of people have heard of him. Everyone listening to this is like, you guys are fucking stupid. <laughs> He's like the hottest ticket in town. Uh, <laughs> but right, to be fair, you know music really well. Like, I'm not going to act like I'm always, you know, up to date on the latest and greatest in music. Like, I still love my 90s R&B. I'm still going back to the D'Angelo's and the Erica Badu's. Like, I still just kind of go back to that era. I love it so much. Get um, over it. I know, but I can't. <laughs> However, you listen to a lot of new music and you didn't know August Alsina. 
Correct. Um, it lo- looks like he has had music out since 2013. Um, his last album was 2019, 2015. So I don't know. Maybe it's just not in my um, wheelhouse of music that I listen to. But I I feel like even if I don't listen to music, if they're like well known, I at least like know their name. You know. Hence, what b- being well known means it's that people know you well. Um, so it's like I don't know. you've never watched sports in your whole life, but you know who LeBron James is. I've heard the name um, like a couple times. He's from that that Amy Schumer movie, right? That's kind of what he's known for. He's only known for the Amy Schumer movie, yes. Okay, yeah, because I feel like that kind of got him to be more recognizable. Um, in fact, he actually wasn't uh, famous before that movie. Did you know that? Well, I didn't know who he was, so that would make sense. Uh, let me uh, give a few more details on the story because I think maybe what is even more surprising is how August Alcina sees this relationship because I think it's one thing to talk about okay they have an unconventional relationship that's not even fucking new like you said it's 2020 unconventional relationships are now conventional yeah but what I find actually kind of intriguing is that Jada Pinkett Smith somehow approached this relationship um, in such a way, not to put the blame on her, but this young kid seems to have gotten the impression that, you know, there was something like really deep going on. Or maybe yeah. there was something go- deep going on. Again, we are doing insane, irresponsible speculation. Right. Only really addressing the addressing this story um, from, you know, the words of August Salsina. But he says he fell in love with Jada Pinkett Smith. Right. He says, quote, I totally gave myself to that relationship for years of my life, and I truly and really, really deeply love and have a ton of love for her. I devoted myself to it. I gave my full self to it, so much so to the point that I can die right now and be okay with knowing that I truly gave myself to somebody, and I really loved a person. I experienced that, and I know what that feels like, and some people never get that in this lifetime, end quote. The only reason why I bring that up is because, you know, throughout our irresponsible speculation, we have crafted this scenario. We have used our imagination to say, you know, Will and Jada have such a relationship that, you know, they're like, yeah, I mean, go fuck somebody. But at the end of the day, we got each other. Yeah. We're endgame. But man, August Alsina is saying like he would die. And be okay with that because he fell so deeply in love with Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, in part because he says he gave his full self to it. Like, I can't imagine just being, like, a fuck buddy and feeling like I gave my full self to that relationship. I mean, men do be kind of wild and out sometimes, though. <laughs> so um. you think, So you think, again, I don't want to blame Jada Pinkett Smith here. Um, because you could, that sounds fucking plausible as hell. Um, he is being delusional, maybe. Uh, however, somehow he uh, feels like he gave his full self to it. And yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just really not reading the room. No, I I think I'm. <laughs> if he is saying these words, I I believe that he was in love with her. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. But like to literally at 27 be like, I could fully just be fucking dead right now because I loved her so much that like my entire life has meaning and it's okay. I'm like, all right. Couldn't have been that like serious. And Jada doesn't feel the same way for sure. Well, I, God, we are so good at irresponsible speculation. 100%. There's no way that anyone could even argue it. Even Jada herself is not allowed to like refute this. I don't care what she says at Red Table Talk. <laughs> but if we trust Jada Pinkett Smith's prior words, as recent as 2018, and they supposedly started dating, by the way, in 2015, Alcino was actually introduced to Jada um, by Jaden. Oh, that's weird. That that is kind of weird, right? I think they're around the same age. And um Jaden is not that old. He's not 27. How old is he? I don't know. I feel like he's like 22. Okay. Anyway, he's in his 20s. Apparently very soon after 2015 when uh Jada and August met. August was even vacationing with the whole Pinkett Smith family. Did you read about this? 
I didn't, but you know what I just realized? And I'm sorry, I, I really have to get this out. The kids are, like, named after their parents. How did you not know that? That's old <laughs> news, right? <laughs> that is terrible. Jaden and Willow. It's yeah. Jaden and Jada and Will and Willow. That is... Oh, my God. I hate it here. I really do. They didn't want to go the junior route. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Yeah. And so I just love it up a little Willow. Bit. I'm like, li- I live for Willow. I, like, listen to her music and stuff. But now I'm like, ew, it's literally just your dad's name with an O-W at the end. <laughs> and, Jada, and Jada and Jaden, it's like, that's so dumb. Oh, my God. I hate everything. <laughs> I'm so happy that you made this discovery on our podcast <laughs> it's kind of like when i realized chloe's kid's name was true <laughs> <laughs> and you always have such a problem with celebrity kids names i didn't with Jaden and willow until now i'm like mad now contextually right like on their own those names are totally cool i love both those names on their own but now i'm like pissed off <sighs> well a pissed off ride makes for a good child. podcast so i'm excited <laughs> this is raw emotions people so uh during the interview uh august was asked is it disappointing that jada never addressed it to you because like you said you lost out on opportunities august answered that question and said i really can't even get into the thought of that because i'm only responsible for myself and i am only responsible for you know what i do when i'm repressing and suppressing things and it starts to affect me I have to address it. I just always stay solid because I never want to be the person to start confusion, end quote. Well, he started a whole lot of fucking confusion. Well, you did the opposite of what you wanted, honey. <laughs> he also said this about the Pinkett Smith family. Quote, I love those people literally like my family. I don't have a bad thing to say about them. They are beautiful people, end quote. This is some crazy shit, right? Uh, like I said, I'm interested to see what happens at the Red Table talk because I think Jada Pinkett Smith is going to illuminate a lot. Uh, yeah. I am curious um, as to just how things developed, right? Because presuming uh, everything Will and Jada uh, has uh, said is true, and I, I trust them. Actually, they've been quite open for as, like you you said, you mentioned earlier that they're kind of secretive. For yeah. as secretive and private as they may appear to be, they also are pretty transparent when asked about yeah. their relationship. And I just the fact that they would talk about the evolution of their marriage and how they think about it um, so candidly, I feel like I trust what they had to say. And I'm just curious how Jada looked at her fling or whatever it was yeah. with August, um, if she fell in love with him, maybe she did. Maybe she fell in love with him, and maybe Will's cool with that, right? And like, and that's why August fell in love with her, but it was just never supposed to come out. Or maybe she was like, "Dude, you were a fuck buddy. Like what? Like, yeah. like you vacationed with us in Hawaii, but you weren't supposed to fall in love with me. This isn't forgetting Sarah fucking Marshall." <laughs> Spoiler alert, again, Norman. <laughs> You're supposed to have seen these movies. You are a film major. <laughs> Yes, Sarah, forgetting Sarah Marshall, the epitome of what I study in film school. It's literally a 200s class. <laughs> oh, God, don't bring up levels. It's <laughs> triggering. Um, I have never seen this Red Table talk show that she speaks of. Um, I will probably be watching this episode when it does happen because I'm very intrigued by this. I am, like, fully supportive. I'm also like, you know what? explain if you want to but don't feel like you need to you know like who are you like you can say whatever you want about your own life is a philosophy that i just came up with right now this moment so from a cynical standpoint though right would be great for ratings oh and she's gonna fully lean into that like i that's completely normal and okay um oh yeah i'm just hope i think my 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 ending um my ending opinion on it is that i hope she, I hope that this August guy didn't like go behind her back and expose it like when he wasn't supposed to. I hope that she had some consent in this becoming public to a certain extent, you know? 
I mean, he had no ulterior motive. So, other than promoting an album, but yeah, no, I mean, again, unrelated. <laughs> so, uh, unrelated to this reveal. Um, so I doubt it was for something um, malicious, some yeah. or not even malicious, but something self promotional. Yeah, I really doubt it. There's no way he said this to be self promotional in any way. It just happened to be that his Q rating shot up 10,000 points after this happened. It just happened to be that now I'm searching him on Spotify for the first time in my entire life. Just happened uh, to be. Quickly, I want to read a couple quotes from uh, Jada and Will's past that may speak to their love life. 2010, Jada told Oprah Winfrey, quote, keep it spontaneous. I surprise Will. He's a thinker. He's always thinking. I just always surprise him. During the day, I might send a sexy picture of some sort. If he's on set with me, we might take a break. Uh, she also said at one point, quote, be sneaky. Your girlfriend's house at a party, the bathroom, a bedroom. Think of places outside that are comfortable to have sex. Does he have access to his office? Have a fantasy date? Be his secretary? Pull over on the side of the road? Just switch it up, end quote. Also, Jada revealed to Shape Magazine that in 2010, while her and Will were taking a limo to the Oscars, quote, Will started looking at me in this way that drives me wild. We started kissing passionately. And the next thing I knew, well, let's just say we missed the red carpet and I ended up with almost no makeup on, end quote. And, oh. Okay, so they have sex all the time. Like, we get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to move forward from this. I'm sure there will be updates on updates. Is this the new college admission scandal that we won't stop talking about for months going on years? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Um, we love a long-term scandal here. Um, speaking about long-term actresses, um, (laughs) it was reported recently, um, that Halle Berry, is stepping down from a role where she was cast to play a transgendered man. And um, obviously that's the only right thing to do. I'm. We'll get to it. Anyway, she posted um, a thing on Twitter, a tweet on Twitter. Over the weekend, I had the opportunity to discuss my consideration of an upcoming role as a transgender man. And I'd like to apologize for those remarks. As a cisgendered woman, I now understand that I should not have considered this role and that the transgender community should undeniably have the opportunity to tell their own stories. The backlash began when she was doing an Instagram Live interview and when asked about um, this role, she said, the woman is a trans character, so she's a woman that transitioned into a man. I want to experience and understand and study and explore that world. The problem with that is she was using the improper uh, pronouns. She was saying it was a woman who transitioned into a man, which is not correct. A transgender man is a man. And there's no other way around that. So it kind of showcased that maybe she wasn't knowledgeable enough about the transgender community to speak on it, let alone play uh, a role. And I think she, you know, it's smart of her to, we're all learning and growing right now. And I think she took in the backlash and grew from it and learned from it. And she stepped down, which was awesome. She Not could- like she like deserves a pat on the back for doing that, but you know, it. if she weren't to have done that, it would have been bad. Thank you for doing the bare minimum. Now, here's an applause. (laughs) The problem is people aren't doing the bare minimum most of the time. It's just a thing of, like, if the character is transgender, it should be played by a transgender actor. And there's a million transgender actors in the world who I'm positive can play the role just as good, if not better, than Halle Berry could. So I get that. Halle Berry is a big name, but hey, give other people an opportunity to become a big name. Exactly. There's this show that just came out called Love, Victor on Hulu. It's about a kid in high school who is coming out of the closet. Oh, that's the one uh, based on Love, Simon, right? 
<clears throat> yeah, it's like the sequel to Love Simon or some shit. Right. Which same thing in Love Simon. The main characters are both straight in real life, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> like no, and like not to say like uh, you know they're acting so they can act, but like I don't know. I'm just like if someone's gay, like let if the character's gay, let him be played by a gay actor, and like it just frustrates me. I'm like there's so many talented gay people out there that why are we giving these roles and these stories to be told by a straight person doesn't make sense so that's my stance and so often hollywood itself especially loves to tout how it's always looking to be more representative of society be more inclusive on one hand hollywood is always trying to say that um, yeah. Or if it fails to live up to that, they say they want to do better. But then, I swear, Rai, every time something like this happens, on the other hand, then, so many people in positions of power in Hollywood want to say, so you're saying a straight cis actor can't play an LGBTQIA role? And it's right. like, well, so then tell me, where is the opportunity ever going to fucking come for yeah. all... The LGBTQ plus actors who just never get opportunities or very rarely get opportunities because we fucking know these casting agencies aren't casting LGBTQ plus actors uh, in roles where they would be playing straight characters. Right. There's like one show, 13 Reasons Why, which is canceled. Um and the main character is straight, but he's played by a gay actor. And I'm like, I feel like Hollywood like sucked its own dick after doing that. Like, <laughs> we did it. And I'm like, I really hate it here. Um, no, you know they threw themselves a fucking party for that. And again, doing the bare fucking minimum to do that. Right. Uh, I, I read this one statistic where it said that 95% of disabled roles in Hollywood are played by able-bodied actors. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. And I remember there was a controversy with that movie with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Well, I, first off, that sentence should not <laughs> exist ever. But yes, I remember. And he like was in a wheelchair or something, right? Exactly. And so many illiterate people when it comes to you know fucking acting say well there's nobody nobody to play those roles that's not true right like do you think that every person who wants to be an actor and is good at acting none of them are disabled in any way like please there's a role on the politician which is a show on netflix i just finished and one of the characters uh has some type of disability he uses like a walker kind of not even a part of his plot. Like they don't even mention it. And it's just like, that's the actor who got the role. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like he doesn't like, he doesn't even need to play a character that's disabled. That's just like who he is, you know? And it's stupid that that's even has to be something that I like applaud, but it is, it's like little things. Well, that's where we are. Right. And you're very right on that point about how that's not a defining trait of that character because I think so often if Hollywood decides to pat itself on the back, they will cast an actor for the very purpose of saying, look, we casted an underrepresented person in this role, but their entire personality, their entire character is just because they are from this underrepresented community. And there's nothing else about that. Their whole personality is that they're disabled or gay or whatever. I'm like, that doesn't have to be their whole fucking personality. So let's just like move along. But that character you're referencing in The Politician, he's like cunning, but he's also kind of creepy. Yeah, he kind of sucks on the show. Like his character's kind of... (laughs) Yeah, that show is pretty good in terms of representation. Um, I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, I guess the two things is like, let transgender actors play transgender roles and same with gay actors and same with like people who are uh, disabled, but also like let them play roles where that also isn't the whole fucking plot. Like I assume that this movie with, with Halle Berry, it's going to be something about like 
people who are transgender and it's the whole thing is probably going to be like that. But still, like, it doesn't have to be their entire existence in the role as, like, that one part of them. So I'm just, I don't know. I feel This isn't the first time we've talked about this. I feel like this is a common thing in the past couple years of, like, it's like Scarlett Johansson. Like, why is she playing, like, characters who are Asian? Like, no. Uh, and and like, her excuse for it is, like, I could play a tree if I wanted to. And it's like, shut the like, fuck play up. The, play the fucking tree then, honey. Um, so I'm just, like, I'm st- I, I, to be quite honest, I'm still shocked that people are still tr- casting cisgender people for trans roles and that actors are still accepting them. Like, it's just, when will we learn? Apparently never. Well, I think you nailed it on the former. They wanted a big name like Halle Berry. Totally. But like, all right, then if, if the movies, if the movie's not good enough for it to be made and to be like popular without such a big celebrity attached to it, then like maybe the movie's not good. Hollywood would never accept the fact that they make bad movies. Well, they have yet to make a single bad movie, so it's like in their credit. True. Speaking of Hollywood, though, Rye, we should get into this next segment. Oh my gosh, it's segment time. You want to introduce it? Yeah, okay, so we're we're moving on to our um, reoccurring segment that you guys all know and love. It's an oldie but a goodie. That's the name of the segment. I'm not saying the segment's an oldie but a goodie. Well, it is too. It's kind of like a double entendre. Um, that's why it works so well this is our oldie but goodie segment it's where uh, celebrities talk about old experiences that they have like where old movies and kind of like spill tea about it I wasn't there wasn't one about like someone doing backflips wasn't Tom Cruise the only other time we've done this segment it was about Tom Cruise and funnily enough this next story is about Tom Cruise but yes it was about Tom Cruise and how he threw a whole hissy fit for having to room with Rob Lowe. Oh, Rob Lowe, yeah. When he was auditioning for some movie. The, the Outsiders. Outsiders. Yeah. And then they put a backflip into the movie for no reason. Yeah, because Tom Cruise just loves showing off his athleticism. He's like, I could do a backflip, write it in. Um, okay, so Tandy Newton of Crash and um, Westworld fame and other things. I'm positive she's been in a million things, but I know her from Crash because <laughs> I'm stuck in the early 2000s. And she had an interview this week with Vulture. And one of the quotes, I'm just gonna like read some of the quotes. I've worked with Tom Cruise. He was very generous and open about sharing Scientology, Scientological stuff. Christmas gifts would be something to do with Scientology. Anyway, so then she goes on to tell talk about how he like gave her a Scientology Bible, basically. And then the interview asked, what was your experience like on Mission Impossible 2? Why didn't you do another one? She said, oh, I was never asked. I was so scared of Tom. He was a very dominant individual. He tries super hard to be a nice person, but the pressure he takes on a lot. And I think he had this sense that he could only do everything as best as it can be done. Um, okay, I'm going to skip, skip, skip. They were doing a scene together on a balcony and she said, it wasn't a very well-written scene. So I got angry with him. We're frustrated with each other and we're looking out over Spain and it isn't going well. And John Woo, I'm assuming he's the director, wasn't there. He was downstairs. No way you just said that, Rai. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to check you on that. Did you just say I'm assuming he's a director, Rai? It's John fucking Woo. I have no idea who that is. (laughs) I've never seen any Mission Impossibles. Face off. Don't know what that is. Okay. Well, John Woo is an action film guy, so that's probably why you don't know him. Okay. Do you see me ever sitting down and watching an action movie? I haven't seen a single Mission Impossible. I haven't seen a single Fast and the Furious. I haven't seen a single, like, Marvel movie, basically. Like, why? I'm watching, like, Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird. (laughs) You're missing out on John Woo. John Woo marries action with art. It's beautiful stuff. All right. That's the fucking grossest sentence I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> you would appreciate... Right, I actually believe you would appreciate John Woo. Whatever, I'm sure he's talented, but I like don't know who he is, and God forbid, I think he's the director. Uh, Rai, remind the listeners your major in college. 
I was a film and television production major. I focused on documentaries. Okay, that's real art, bitch. I'm not watching fucking Mission Impossible 30. Oh, gosh. This was two, to be clear. Two, 30, me. <laughs> Whatever. So something happened in the scene, and Tom was not happy with what, was, what I was doing, and I had the shittiest line. So he gets frustrated with having to try and explain that. He goes, let me just, let's, let's just go do it. Let's rehearse on camera. So we rehearsed and they recorded it. And he goes, I'll be you, you be me. So we filmed the entire scene with me being him because believe me, I knew the lines by then and him playing me. It was the most unhelpful. I can't think of anything less revealing. She basically just like calls out Tom Cruise this whole time. And is like, he is a nightmare. She, um, she literally she, says he's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. She literally does say and describes him as a nightmare in this. <laughs> Which I love. Also, I think the recurring theme here, aside from the segment itself being, you know, about oldies that are goodies, right? Is that Tom Cruise is a fucking nightmare, allegedly. Yeah, have to have the allegedly there with Tom Cruise. I think he's kind of litigious. Um, yeah, this guy sounds. I mean, look, Tom Cruise has a reputation, right? Yeah. Aside from the couch jumping, aside from the Scientology. He has a reputation as an extremely intense individual, which Tandy describes. Yeah. A very focused, driven kind of person. And he just seems like a fucking terror to deal with. He doesn't seem fun or easy to work with, slash even to know. Um, he. What if he's like the most easygoing guy in your personal life? Yeah, I don't know. I think Tom Cruise is crazy. I think that he's always crazy. I think he's probably crazy at home as well as on set. I just think the guy's crazy. He's also like four foot two. So he definitely has Napoleon syndrome. And yeah, he's probably a terror, just like fully unhinged. I swear there were some rumors. Like this is back in the best week ever era. (sighs) And we bonded over best week ever. Um, but like that he would have to wear like lifts in his shoes when he was standing next to Nicole Kidman because Nicole Kidman is notoriously super fucking tall. Oh, absolutely. He, um, you can tell like there's pictures where he randomly is like taller next to her than in other pictures. (laughs) He's straight up like, all right, I'm going to stand like four feet in front of you to fuck with the depth perception. Mm -hmm. Um, if you get one inch near me, you're going to, breach our Scientology contract and get fucked. Yeah. Um, allegedly, think, allegedly. 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 Um, now we start worrying about saying true facts. Well, it's a different uh, genre of irresponsible speculation when you're dealing with Tom Cruise and the church. Yeah, we don't want Scientology's ass on us. <laughs> it goes um, from comedy to straight fucking horror, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, Scientology's freaky, y'all. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, so we have another oldie but goodie, I think. We do, because there's a lot of oldie but goodies this week. I actually had to edit. Um, we hate editing on this podcast. We famously record for about six hours. Yeah. Uh, but instead of doing like nine of these, we had to stick to two. And this is the second oldie but goodie. Um, it's not quite Cruzian magic, but it's magic nonetheless. Mike Tyson said that he was drunk and a high pig while filming The Hangover. So according to Mike Tyson, he was in Vegas while um, he was supposed to film The Hangover, and this is before he had started filming. And he says he's at a club, he's partying, and he bumps into Zach Galifianakis in Vegas. And when he bumps into Zach Galifianakis, he actually learns that he is going to be starring in The Hangover through that interaction. He says, quote, I met the guys in a club. They were in the VIP section. I said, this is where I normally sit. Nobody's normally here. So I went in there and I'm checking these guys to see what they're doing in my section. It was Zach Galifianakis. And he said, oh, we're going to be in a movie with you. And I said, yeah, when? And he said, tomorrow. And I didn't know as I was drinking and smoking back then, doing drugs, So I didn't know that I was involved in this movie. So eventually I had to go and do the movie and it was a success. I was a mess. 
I was overweight. I was a pig high on cocaine, end quote. So, Rye, I want to ask you, aside from your initial reaction to this story, um, have you ever been so inebriated that you didn't even know where you were, what you were doing, uh, what your plans were, even major plans akin to filming a movie? Yeah, I was actually, while reading this, I kind of was like, wait, this has happened to me. Um, I'm actually my first movie role. I didn't even know I was doing it until they were literally like, okay, action. Um, Because I was just so high on cocaine in Vegas. And famously in Vegas, they kind of just always are filming movies. So I was just like, I guess I'm in this movie now. Um, so I get it, Mike. It's kind of like how a lot of people's Hollywood careers start. Um, my other favorite reaction is his last line of, so eventually I had to go and do the movie and it was a success (laughs) as if it wasn't like the biggest movie of the year and spawned like multiple sequels. (laughs) It's so casual. (laughs) He's like, I guess it was like good or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, ideally this will actually happen to me eventually. It really gotcha. It didn't actually happen to me, but if I just stumbled across a movie set and didn't know I was going to do it and then it became successful, like I wouldn't be mad. Well, I think here's the batshit part of the story. Um, aside from Mike Tyson's nonchalant attitude towards being one of the stars of one of the most successful comedies of all time. Literally. That's no exaggeration. I think it actually is the highest grossing rated R comedy ever. I could see that. I think it is. It was very successful. <laughs> it was. Um, I think what's even more crazy is that it wasn't like he just wandered onto a set and they were like, hey, you be an extra, and they liked him and they gave him a bigger role. That happens every day. Right. Literally a daily occurrence. It's that he was slated to do do the movie, you know, presumably signed a contract, was definitely in Vegas solely because he was due to film this movie. Yeah. He's not just, like, in Vegas, unless there's something I don't know. Maybe he was living in Vegas at the time. That could be. I didn't do a lot of research for this story. I just read the Page Six article. But assuming he was only in Vegas because he is filming a movie in Vegas the next day... You know, that means he had to, you know, pack his fucking bags, right? Like, he had to <laughs> go I and would... stay at a hotel. He had, you know, there is a process involved in traveling to another place for a job. He had no clue he was doing the job. Right. And, like, I do just, like, circling back to how movies work, assume he was, had meetings with agents and directors and got cast in the role and you know, maybe was sent a script at one point. Um, You know, just normal things that happen when you're booked onto a high-budget Hollywood film. I kind of live for the idea that he forgot. Um, (laughs) It's just like, he's like, yeah, I guess I'll do, I guess I'm doing it now. And they're like, you've been doing it for months. We've been talking about this. So Also, he, he doesn't go into the details of this, but the way he describes his encounter with Zach Galifianakis, it makes me believe that Zach Galifianakis was only at his table probably because he invited him to be at his table. Right. Like, it was probably like, let's do, like, a cast bonding. Right. Because <laughs> he says, like, this is my section at this club. It's normally where I sit. Why is this guy, Zach Galifianakis, sitting here? Well, there's no other fucking explanation other than you invited him to sit there. But that is extraordinary levels of being high on cocaine that he basically had no idea about his existence for presumably months on end. Yeah. And, you know, good for him. I mean, guy was in Vegas. He was living it up. Um, He was living like the most ephemeral sort of life. I mean, every moment was just another fleeting moment, not related to the next. He turned in a great performance, too, at the end of the day. like He punched the shit out just, of Zach Galifianakis. Right. Maybe it was just his, his creative process. We don't know how he acts, how he gets into character, you know, of playing himself. 
I think in a way it was method acting because it's, the Mike Tyson that he portrayed, he was playing him quote unquote himself, but the but that character was deranged. Right, fully unhinged. Um so maybe he was just still kind of going at it from the night before and just improv the punch. Maybe he wasn't even in the scene. I can't be down for that. That's art. That is art. I don't know about this John Woo guy, but Mike Tyson, he mixes art and action. He fully improvised the punch. It wasn't in the screenplay at all. He was just so high on coke. He didn't even know who Zach Galifianakis was. He's like, no, what the fuck is this? In fact, in that moment, he remembers that Zach Galifianakis was sitting at his reserved table. And he was like, why the fuck were you sitting at my reserved table and punched him for it? Not remembering that months earlier, he invited him to sit at his reserved table. I mean, look, the magic of editing and post-production, they could have edited it all to make it look like it was scripted. Uh, now, now I believe that the post credits uh, photos were legit. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh God. Well, what a what a great peek behind the curtain of just an iconic, uh, iconic Oscar should have been Oscar nominated role as Mike Tyson. Mike should have won a Best Supporting Actor uh, Oscar for that. I mean, look at all the research he did. He actually did cocaine to get into character. Exactly. And that was a big part of the movie was how much fucking blow and alcohol and all sorts of other shit they put in their bodies. Um, well, I think we got it all down in the books, didn't we? I think we did. We covered it all. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you guys for your continued support. We are um, on Patreon. We do extra little episodes um on patreon so if you guys want to support us financially there we you can go to holly shook no patreon.com backslash holly shook (laughs) and we'd appreciate that but thanks for stopping by see ya